0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and hit that. Button and leave a quick rating. Just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves. And to continue this darn good conversation, head over to the QA section on Spotify. We have two special guests Mandy Crawford, Executive Director and CIO for the City of Texas, and Kevin Gilbertson, CIO at the state of Montana. Mandy, welcome back to Tech Tables.
1: Thanks, Joe. Good to be here.
0: Kevin, welcome back to Tech Tables.
2: Thank you. Glad to be back.
0: Excited. So today, uh, our podcast title is How Great Leaders Inspire Action. And uh we've got two great leaders here who who inspire action and this is obviously a play off of Simon Sinek, uh, who, who's written a number of fascinating uh and really great books on leadership. So, Mandy, you were once a baby lawyer. I was. <laughs> and uh
1: recovering lawyer now. <laughs>
0: yeah. so. And uh, you know, you've actually evolved over the years and uh there was this phrase across the number of the podcasts that we've done was while well, the dir is a technology agency the dir is powered by humans i love that and it kind of basically echoes every podcast we've shot today is that it is about humans and um you know kevin while you spent the majority of your career in the private sector you've more recently transferred um your superpowers uh, quote of results driven goal focused kind of mindset to the public sector And so today we're gonna be sharing those lessons from Mandy and Kevin. So let's dive in. Um, So Simon Sinek says Apple is not just a computer company and just like the DIR isn't isn't just a technology agency. And I've heard time and time again the DIR is here to leverage technology to transform how Texas government serves Texans, which I love, Uh, in the spirit of serving Texans. What do you see Mandy as some of the key factors to success in achieving DIR's vision?
1: I mean I think for us and 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 it's it's going back right back to people and the and the the people is the answer uh to all of this and I think you know we may have talked about this before when I was on your podcast about you know well how does um, a not so baby lawyer, uh, anymore, um, get to be uh, the CIO of the state of Texas. And, you know, it's to me, it, you know, whether they're, you know, working at the Attorney General's office for all those years, and then coming here at the AG's office, it was people problems. You know, they they come to you wrapped up as a legal problem. But at the end of the day, it's usually people problems. and And I think that with technology, it's usually a people problem as well. That's kind of at the heart of it. And so, You know, I see our role and certainly what we're charged with doing under statute um, is to make sure that we have the right technology strategies and solutions that are available for what we call our customers, our government agencies that that we serve, for them to do their jobs and accomplish their missions. Um, And that's great to have those solutions. I mean, it's it's what we do. It's why we partner with industry to be able to offer those. But I think one of the key things that focusing back on people that – that's helped us with our um success is leveraging relationships and and I know you know some of the other folks here today have talked about that and and it's not just relationships with industry but le- um relationships with the business deciders at the agencies as well as state leadership. And so I think that that is a crucial thing that sometimes is is missing or maybe not as developed in sub technology organizations is understanding how to translate technology for business. And even more importantly, translate it for um, the money people, the appropriators, the people that you need to be able to support your mission, and the endeavors that you want to do to help take technology to really drive that transformation and drive that change. So um, learning how to, you know, it was it was a skill that I used in my in my prior job. And it's something that I've really enforced at this job as well is reaching out, to legislative members, um, you know, we, we meet them in their districts to explain what we do as an organization, what are some of the challenges that we see coming from their districts and the people that they serve, and how can technology help with that? And why is it important to invest in technology um, and, and to, to continue that? So whether it's a technology focus or a security focus, um, we can't do what we do without people, resources, resources, and financial resources, so um, those relationships are really important to us.
0: Great, and later on the podcast, we will go a little bit deeper into those relationships. Uh, Kevin, while I was never a baby lawyer, or really any <laughs> any lawyer, I could barely spell sequel. Stop bragging! Yeah. Stop bragging! <laughs> <laughs> we, we we share the entrepreneurial journey a little bit. Yeah, I love this. So uh, on the last podcast, you, you had this this comment that that I had pulled that every dollar is important, which I loved, and uh, was really grateful for you to fly. Uh, from Bozeman to Austin, uh, in the spirit of, of you know the kind of that first episode, the results driven execution, which which I love. There was this as I was re- researching, there was a great State Scoop article that you had said you know merely converting paper based processes to PDF files and sticking them on a website doesn't count as a digital service. And uh, I love that because I had talked to a number of CIOs where I think at first they were maybe a, a little proud of that. And um, But the, I know the governor ran a software company, as we talked about before, and, you know, he's kind of pushing. And so um, I was kind of curious, so like, what benefits have you seen by breaking those old mindsets
2: and driving forward a digital first shot? Well, I think there's a lot and we're still fairly early. Um, you know, we are at a point where uh, we've, the governor, as I talked about before, has issued this 100% digital challenge and we're going to have our first agency 100% digital by June 30th. So we're kind of in the process of, of getting that uh, all done. So as you, you know, mentioned earlier, kind of one of the early things is, is education is really important. Um, getting them uh, past this thought that, uh, you know, digital means process. It doesn't mean, you know, like I said, simply taking that PDF and putting out there. Um, But that's the same with any IT project. A lot of folks, you introduce a new system, they want to put their old system into the new one. So you have to to work with them. So, you know, business uh, uh, analyst type roles are extremely important. I think they'll grow more and more important, you know, as time goes on. Uh, Another big learning for us was simply by um, starting to put this inventory together. uh, There's a lot more duplication than I think we thought that there would be. And so that is going to be offering some opportunity for uh, agencies to save money you know back and forth and then then finally i'd say the largest learning has been all about collaboration because um when Mm -hmm. we got together uh, the cabinet got together and decided that june 30th was going to be the date and we had six months to do it uh, I really had no idea you know, what we were going to do, and, and uh, so we were in a uh, uh, we run scaled agile framework and we were in a pi planning session and some of my agency CIOs were listening in to the planning of the group that basically had to do it and one of them reached out to me and said uh, you 're not going to get this done and i said yeah you 're right we 're not going to I said, but we started talking that you know it 's eventually going to come around to everyone, and wouldn 't it be great if you were able to learn you know from doing this and so we actually had five different agencies volunteer people to the project to make sure that we get it done because they're you know they're helping us to set governance they're they're learning how to use the application that we're using to move over and things like that and and folks um really didn't uh didn't know how that was going to go and it's it's gone really uh, exceptionally well um i think we've we've really proven out that you know uh, together we can do a lot more than than independently
0: yeah, no, that's really great. Uh, Mandy, you used to teach on managerial leadership at the National Attorney General's organization. Uh, if you could give the audience two to three tips from your experience in coaching at AG, what would they be, I think, specifically in, the, in that team environment?
1: Sure. I think that, um, you know, part of it is, and, and we may have touched on this before in a previous podcast, is too often, I think, um we reward subject matter experts and folks who are good at their jobs. We reward, um, with management. And, um, all of a sudden they just, you get you're good at your job and you become a manager and you no longer get to do the thing that you really loved or were good at. And all of a sudden you're just a manager with no training. So I think that again, the, the focus on training leaders, on training managers is really important because at the end of the day, our teams are, um, are, are what make us, they are make or break us. So I think, you know, from, you know, tips obviously are to build a strong team. Um, You know, going back to um, the the lawyer who ended up at the technology agency is I had to have a strong team, a strong team of technologists who um, had my back who were supportive and who would also, um, you know, do, as we call it, like respectful dissent um, all the time to, uh, hey, I I don't want to drive off the cliff. I need you to tell me before that happens. And I've got to have that trust there. So certainly building good teams. And then once you have the team there, you've got to make sure that your team is aligned with you on your vision for building up, um, the future uh, of the agency. So whether it's through succession planning or also just building that continuity and that bench strength, you know, Everybody has workforce challenges, whether it's private sector or public sector. Um, it's one right now. Um, I testified about it earlier today in front of our um, Senate Business and Commerce Committee. Is that we have a lot of workforce challenges in 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 the public sector right now, and so I think um, making sure that the team you have knows that they need to invest and get out in their teams, maybe gets outside their comfort zone, get out there, talk to your teams, you know, walk the floors. Um, and, and really learn her, who your folks are, learn what they're seeing and, uh, learn what matters to them to build them up as a team. Because, um, you know, again, they're essential for our success and that investment, um, will always pay off. That investment in time, um, will always be a benefit.
0: So I'm kind of curious. So we make this investment in teams and I think it starts with relationships and it takes a while to build relationships sometimes maybe every time actually <laughs> yeah I think every time it takes a while and so one of the things i've thought about a lot was uh oh this is i think year four that i've coached uh, jv high school basketball team and every year uh, the best jv players you get event end of the season they move up to varsity and then the jv team's left with scraps and <laughs> you get the new incoming eighth graders who move up who are freshmen and i found the van rides to be really powerful and so this is something that i was thinking about i talked to a couple of cios i'm like how could I replicate a van ride where like the relationships get stronger and then, you know, this is like during COVID and I had, uh, I had some CIA. I was like, I'm never getting in a van with you during, <laughs> 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 to be fair, I was getting tested five times a week, which is, which is pretty intense. But, um, I was kind of curious, Mandy, like not so much, I don't think you're hopping in vans, but when, when you think about getting those relationships where they aren't right now, but where they need to be, um, any, any any specific insight that maybe you can share with the audience on improving that relationship?
1: So um, I was talking with some of the folks earlier about one of the things that, um, that I make a priority um, is to meet with all of my employees, not just my director. Reports, And, um, and we do it on a rotating basis over the year, because I want to just keep these um, conversations uh, fresh, and I want to know what they're seeing. And, and, you know, I'd ask them questions, you know, about what do we do? Well, what can we do better? Um, But I also want to know from them, not only where they think the agency is going, but I want to know where they're going in five years. And, and those are touch points, certainly that I do um, with the team members to help um, build again, and, and at least communicate to them that uh, I care about them. Um, I care about what they donate and dedicate to the state. Um, and I also want to hear for them. I mean, selfishly, I learn a lot of information and they are really candid sometimes, um, <laughs> um, but it's okay. That's what we want. But then as far as, you know, the other things is I think, and this is why I, I love that, that Kevin was here because, you know, we've met at a couple different events and having, um, you know, peers that even though they might be in different states or my other peers here in the room who have different agencies with different missions, um, our our problems, while they may be slightly different or our challenges, they're basically the same. Maybe different scale or, you know, there's different contracting structures or different, you know, political factors or different things that you may have going on in your state or your agency that you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, they're kind of the same. And so it's so great to have that, hey, how did you work this out? Or just somebody that you can vent to about a particular, you know, whether it's a challenging situation with a vendor partner or with, you know, legislative staff or whatever it is, to, it's so crucial to have that. And I, I find that particularly in the technology community, I think there's really a willingness and an openness to really um, build those relationships and help each other
0: out. It's really great. I'm I gotta plug my previous episodes with Mandy and they they're they're up at four or five. But uh episode thirty nine, Mission and Vision, how CIOs can lead great teams with Mandy Crawford. And then actually we go deeper, you're right on episode fifty four, when the leader gets better everyone gets better. Uh and we go into Mandy's uh five questions during her one-on-one, which is really great. So, um and then episode 61, <laughs> The Balloon of Possibility. <laughs> and uh and then tonight, yeah. There you go. So, I swear,
1: it's not the Mandy Crawford. Come on. There's uh, other, yeah. there's 50 states and all these agencies. Anyway. Yeah, uh,
0: I, yeah I, I'm waitlisted on a number of other state, state, state CIOs right now uh, through the vetting process right now. I submitted my portfolio of techtables.com, so ho- hopefully it'll get approved. Uh, Kevin, I kind of want to ask you the same question. Um, you come from the private sector. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Mandy said. There's, you know, uh, maybe there's a few different, you know minor whether it's contracts or, or things like that but relationships are still key uh moving from the private sector to uh the public sector now how how have you seen like using those relationship skills you come in we talked a little bit about it on the last episode but maybe you could just expand upon that
2: well you know alignment is is extremely important and so um you know, that that's going to be true whether you're in private sector or, or public sector. And so from that perspective... Um it seems to be more true in public than, than even private that, that if they're not working for you, they're working against you and not necessarily maliciously. I mean, if you're not all pulling the same direction, you're pulling against one another and you're not getting very far. And so, you know, that's a, it's utterly critical that you know, when you set your goals, that you, uh, you, know, you create inspiring goals, you go to the why. you were talking about cynic earlier, um, so that you know, people can have them top of mind um, so that they can look for opportunities to accomplish those goals uh, and things like that. And so, uh, you know, when you have those types of things and then, then the other thing is, um, and this is, is relatively the same, but I think probably more emphasized in the state as well as, is, is priority is so important. Um, you know, I actually got the advice from a COO of a, a company that I used to work for and, and, and that was give them an opportunity to say no. Um, and so when you're prioritizing, I mean, we're, we have such limited resources and it's so easy for some other thing to be just added on top of the stack. And and um, th- the, that causes stress, it causes anxiety, you know, all these other types of things. And so when you're able to put together a priority list and basically say, um, you know, hey, if we're going to add this, we have to remove this and, and do these other types of things, um, you know, and, and it allows them to call me too. I, I uh, made the mistake almost two weeks ago where... Uh, you know, there was this this free consulting opportunity that we had, and so I said, uh, "Yeah, let's go ahead and do it." And then they came to me and says, "Well, it wasn't in the uh, on our planning board," and so you know immediately I just said, "You're right. You know, we're we're not going to do it, and maybe we can think about planning for it in July." So it gives them that opportunity to to try and maintain a little sanity.
0: Okay. I lo- now I'm kind of curious. I'm a big like Eisenhower to do list kind of guy. You know, put them in the different quadrants. I'm kind of curious on your own personal friends and to be for the entire state but uh, how do you prioritize
2: you know, personally, it's just to-do lists and things like that. But but at the uh, at the state level, you know, we um, use what's called uh, waitest shortest job first. It's part of the scaled agile framework, which basically allows you to take um, you know what is the business value and the risk avoidance, and then you know kind of divide that by the effort, and that gives you the the you know uh, order of the things that you should work in. So um, by doing that, that allows us to you know maintain that backlog and and kind of uh, you know. C- Constantly, you know, rethink through those priorities.
0: That's great. Uh, Mandy, for yourself?
1: Well, I. I, it sounds like Kevin's probably a little bit more mature in his personal prioritizing than I am, um, just because everything's a priority. Um, Because I do balloon a possibility, right? Think big. Um, So my team's always saying, okay, that's cool. But... um, no, uh, we do. I mean, again, there are the things I mean, we have the same sort of frameworks and methodologies, and we look at risk and, and you know, impact to Texans and, and different things like that. So to, to look and evaluate that, but I will say that sometimes the thing, well, not sometimes, always the thing that's the hardest to juggle is those priorities um, that are placed upon you by outside sources. um, And they become your number one priority. And so you may have been going on track with something else, but then there's something because it's the nature of public sector work and things like that. And it could be from an agency that really needs you right now because of of something that's going on. It it could be because of a legislative priority or a priority of the governor that all of a sudden that becomes your new priority. And so there is a lot of, I think, juggling in the um, public sector around that, um, that's maybe not understood as well. And especially when you're looking at, you know, we do have that, those, those finite resources and, um, the, the, it it can be a real challenge to try to figure out. So it's, it's always top of mind for me trying to figure out how to juggle those priorities for my team because they do work so hard and they are so dedicated. And I worry about the burnout when, um, there's always the newest, greatest, most important thing that they have to work on all the time.
0: Yeah, that's really great. You didn't know this, but our next podcast with Jim Weaver is going to be about burnout. You didn't know. Yeah, July 22nd, Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I also have to plug my podcast with Kevin, for those who are listening. Shameless plug, I know, episode 81, Workforce of the Future, Growing Your Public Sector Alumni. Fantastic episode. Uh, Kevin's got a lot of really great stuff to say uh, on that. Uh, Kevin, I want to continue with the, the learning goals. Now, we touched upon this on the last podcast. You've done a lot of research around learning goals i'm a little bit of obsessed about goals so I, I love i love this topic um i always love to set a goal and then actually think like you know i think if i could do it in like a tenth of the time like you always hard to break that balloon of possibility uh if you could just share from your research and experience in business consulting and it uh with the audience like what could
2: you, you know what have you learned from from all of this all of this research that you're
0: applying right now on goals
2: Yeah. So when you start talking about goals and, you know, everybody knows about smart, the measurable component of that. And, and, you know, measurement doesn't have to be a number. Measurement really only says um, it gives you a picture of what the future could look like. Um, and so sometimes when you're setting a goal um, it, it, and you're setting something specific, and it can actually work against you. And so one of the things that I always found fascinating is that there's several studies out there that say that in some cases, if you don't know how to do something, let's say something is as, as easy as, as dropping a few pounds, uh, you know, that um, – You know, I may set a certain number or I may say I want to learn about nutrition and exercise. And often what you'll find is that the people who set a goal just to learn that actually do better than the people that are trying to hit a specific number. So that's not always the case, but it's always something worth thinking about. You know, you know, one, uh, you don't always have to use numbers. Think about learning as an outcome in and of itself. And then just uh, like I said, measurement is just just that picture of, of the future.
0: I love that. Mandy, while listening to Rick Blanco, he had mentioned crafting a good story to legislators to get funding, but I was curious, you meet with a lot of legislators like all the time like, again <laughs> a lot uh, How do you go about building great relationships uh, with those legislatures?
1: Some are more challenging than others um, <laughs> but one one thing that we you know that I try to do is again um, and it's like that with relationships with anybody is why does it why does it matter to them and so for you know, so when it's with different members, you know, we'll look and see what committees they serve over. You know, are there certain, you know, are they interested in transportation? Are they interested in health? What are their, their different committees and assignments? Um, there's not a lot of folks who have either a technology background um, or an interest. Um, so it's also about translating. Um, to be able to communicate to them why the technology is important. Um, and then getting back to their constituents, which, you know, we all have a boss, right? And for them, it's their constituents. So why does it matter to their boss, to the people back in their districts? And so try to communicate to them, you know, hey, by the way, here's here's how much money we've saved for your school district um, here because they used our cooperative contracts. Or here's, you know, the different, you know, security incidents we were able to help some of the cities in in, in your district and, and communicate it that way. Um, but you know, ultimately, and then it's about, you know, trust it, you gotta, um, you know, say what you mean, do what you say, or, you know, all of those different things you've got to be trustworthy. Um, and, and if you don't know the answer, say no, I don't know, but I'll get back to you.
0: That's really great. I think Rick echoed that too. Uh, keeping your word. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. So I want to open this up to the audience. Uh, questions for mandy or kevin
1: can i say something first yes so on the um your podcast um title with jim weaver from north carolina yeah burnout yeah is that because he's going to burn out on the barbecue competition because <laughs> i kind of think he is do y'all know that north carolina threw down and said that their barbecue was better than texas Bring it on. <laughs> i mean honestly honestly
2: and as a follow-up to that so, and Kevin, I wanted to
0: ask about your opinion about the recent uh, game between the Phoenix Suns and Dallas
2: Mavericks. <laughs> <laughs> no opinion.
0: How about them Golden State Warriors tonight, <laughs> 8 p.m. Yeah, uh, G- <laughs> we got to splice this for Jim Weaver, and uh, I actually was going to send him a video, and this is—we're just going to take it right off the camera. That's just fantastic. Yeah, uh, it is a grilling and chilling barbecue. So for those who are interested, uh, we will—I say we—as in me and my wife—but the Tech Tables podcast is heading to Raleigh, North Carolina, on July 22nd at the dock at Seaboard Station. It will be a lot bigger than this, uh, <laughs> so it'll be a ton of fun. Where you will see Jim burn out because that barbecue. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's 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 open it up to any questions for Mandy or Kevin right now question for both of you. I, I get the impression that you that you get caught in the middle a lot between the agencies that you're trying to help and the legislature who um, can be unforgiving about some of the costs and, and just as you mentioned, some of the understanding, uh, understanding of technology. Um, how do you guys juggle that? I mean, how, how is that something that you approach?
1: It's tough. It is a challenge um, because, you know, I, I also see and, and, and my agency sees that a big part of our role is to be advocates for y'all. And um, we want to have the solutions that y'all need to be able to do your jobs. We want to make sure that they're cost effective, that they have real value. Um, that, and that value isn't always means cheapest, which, you know, as we also know, is, a, um, is something that's been kind of chronic in, um, in state technology. Um, and trying to advocate for those expenditures that, that y'all need. Um, while also being able to communicate that value to to members, um, one of the things we also try to um, do, and is my charge to the team, and frankly, I think it's our charge under statute, is I think that when. When agencies are coming to us, they're not just coming for the solutions and hopefully value, but they're also com- comp- coming to us for compliance assurances, right? Because we're doing the contracting, the procurement for y'all. To we that we've got to have the strong terms and conditions. We've got to make sure that when you guys have the confidence that you're using our contracts, that they meet all the state terms and conditions. That we've done all the legwork for you, so that it and that it, it meets all the standards. And whether that's security or contracting terms, that's an assurance we want to be able to provide to you. So we try to communicate that to the legislature. But um uh, yeah, it's a delicate dance sometimes.
2: Well, I'm a little new, so I, I can't say that I'm, I'm a little over a year uh, and haven't even been through a session yet. But, um you know, I, I would say it comes down to a couple of different things. You know, um, one, I've been uh, not in a bad way challenging the agencies, trying to make sure that, that you know, um, I can fully understand what's going on there so that in In turn, I can go and educate the legislator. So, uh, that way, I mean, because that's what it's all about. They're not always, uh, technical. And so we have to, you know, find creative ways to, to make things, um, uh, Makes sense uh, in terms of of one off meetings and, and things like that, and so um, yeah, like I said, I, I just want to make sure that you know we're not challenging just to be difficult, but at the same time we've got this responsibility to be able to go back to the legislators and say you know yeah we we looked at everything and we feel that this is the way to go, and 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 that gives me the opportunity to fully stand behind the agency and and plug for uh, what might be a few more dollars than that they were hoping to spend, but you know I can go and say look you're not going to get a better deal than this um it, you maybe will get something less expensive but certainly not one that's that uh it, that i'm as sure is going to happen on time on budget you know those types of things thanks cory
0: where's retta here. Oh, there you are i know you got questions oh. i would
1: ask i i guess I, you've only been in your your job a year i don't know maybe say three four years now. three years yeah uh, what is the, like, if it, I, I do this with myself every night, just to sometimes talk myself into going back to my job the next day, right? <laughs> but like, what is that,
2: what is that feeling that gets you back after a difficult stretch with, because yeah. it's not an easy job. It, it can't possibly be an easy job. So what is
0: that? She roast Jim Weaver wow. on camera. I just,
1: it's this, yeah, a burning desire to beat North Carolina. No, I'm <laughs> that's it. Now, do you want to go first?
2: No, I'm happy to do that. I mean, there are definitely days when it seems like nothing's going right and and I go home um, not, uh, not in the best spirits. But at the end of the day, um, like I said, I've spent my entire life in in uh, the, you know the private world, and I, I came into the public sector for a very specific reason. I've been a, lived in Montana my entire life, and this is an opportunity I felt to to be able to give back uh, in a, in a way that that I knew and using my my skills. Um, and so, you know, that's that's essentially it's that that feeling of service, that ability that you know we can actually measure and see what impacts that we're having. Um, and, and, uh, you know, simple things like just making sure that we're uh, spending the money in the right places and and helping, you know, we're doing a leadership session, uh, that we're taking a day off just to, to, we have a a person coming in and doing that, which, um, for a lot of folks that were in there, they've told me that they've never had a chance to do that. So it's been a while. So just little things to make the world better, um, you know, is, is what helps me, me, uh, overcome.
1: No, absolutely. I think, um, for me, it's, it, it is, it's about mission and it's, it's knowing that, um, you know, it's a, it's a fight worth having, you know, even on the worst days that, that, um, there's some fights that are just worth it. And I really do believe, um, you know, in our mission and our vision of, of, you know, of helping Texans and using technology to be able to do that and supporting our customer agencies. I mean, you all are the ones with the missions that really impact them. And I thought that, you know, Shauna and Krishna, when they were talking about this earlier, you know, if, if these are, and, and to you too, Joe, about the things that how it impacts your life. I mean, a server goes down or technology doesn't work these are life and death issues for folks. I mean, this could mean that you know somebody doesn't get food on their table or you know there's not somebody that's sent out to, to help a child in need, or it's law enforcement not being able to get the things that they, that they need. So they're important things um, that we do. And I also work with a fabulous team that in addition to being just so smart and competent and dedicated, and I learn from them every day, um, they're really fun. I mean, we, we work hard, but we have a great time. I mean, I think, you know, of so many times when you're just working on just a really hard issue and you want to bang your head against the wall and someone cracks a joke and then you're just crying laughing because it's just absurd and great. So they're a great fun team. I do want to also say Jim Weaver of North Carolina. <laughs> no I'm kidding no Jim isn't actually he is Jim is inspiring he is doing tremendously great things in North Carolina and there's a lot of things in the way that they do um, that um, I would like to be able to duplicate here in Texas so again it's part of that CIO community
0: and and building up on
2: on what they do I'd actually say the same about Mandy there's a lot of stuff that I'd like to steal bring back home
0: and and actually I had this down in the notes but it was the people part right Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah,
2: Christian. And what are the
1: two, uh, one or two things that the two states are going to, you know, wanted to collaborate or learn from each other? Mm-hmm. No, I think it'd be great. I would love to learn. I mean, especially one with. Um, uh, you know your background in, in in business and the perspective that you have, because you know I've grown up in government, and so there's a certain way that I look at things. So one, just sort of the the fresh look and the fresh take on the way to do things, um, I think is certainly very valuable. We also come from states that you know there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. our states, um, and and so I think that that's also really helpful when there are certain things. There may be technologies that we want to implement, but there may be reasons you know politically that. Right that it may not be a thing that, that can work in our state. So it's nice to be able to talk through and say, okay, well, how can we make that work? Or is this something that we just going to not be able to do. So there, there's a lot of opportunities, um, really to learn from each other.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, need to take advantage of it more, uh, and not to go into any any futures or whatever but um i've certainly been thinking about you know what what would these leadership uh courses look like and and could we be using each other as mm-hmm. as uh educators you know right. in that process um because i'm sure you know our folks would just like to to hear what's going on in other states as well so um, like I said, not to speak of futures, but I've been thinking a lot that lately because that was for me, you know, the Nacio conference. Um, yes, it's I, I like meeting with the vendors and that's a great part of it. But the most important part is that ability to to collaborate with the other CIOs and that ability to um, you know, in my orientation in NACIO, they said you know they talked about texting another CIO while they're in the meeting with a vendor, and I kind of thought, well, I'll never do that. And like about two weeks later, I'm texting another CIO in the middle of a meeting because they have they were telling me about all the great stuff there. And in that case, it was it was you know true, and it was a, you know good uh, connection to have. Um, but it was. Uh, it's a, a really a good community for, for that type. So uh, for vendors, take care of your CIOs because we're talking to each other.
0: That's right. <laughs> and that is a great plug uh, that I will continue. So uh, so there's July, and we are a lock for October 14th in Tallahassee with Jamie Grant and his entire team from the state of Florida. So uh, it will be a blast following Three days later, I will be on the floor at Gartner IT Symposium with Verizon. So we're doing 10 podcasts a day. Let me know. They're rapid fire. I will be there. <laughs> Don't know if fully coherent, but it <laughs> 10 podcasts a day. But, you know, <laughs> so let's do it. I just said, yeah, it's possible. Let's go. So uh, I'll be excited about that. And uh, any, other, any other questions? We wrap this up. Yeah, let's go, Mark.
1: The rest of the room is, for the most part, heavy Texas. So this is, this was for Kevin. Um, we have some recent leg- legislation here
0: around standing up chief data officers, introduction of data governance programs within the agencies. Um, I just wanted to get the outsider, like Montana perspective, on that within your within your state
2: so um, we didn't do that with legislation but we just hired our first chief data officer I would want to say about eight months ago and he's been working uh, continuously on on data governance across the board and so um, we've placed that in our Department of administration and his job uh, so far it's a small office but is really going around and talking to all the agencies and and uh, getting everyone on board in, in terms of data sharing and, and you know painting the vision of what we could do so uh, from our standpoint we just we voluntarily set it up, Um, and we've just done a lot of of canvassing to make sure that um, people are accepting and and, uh, willing to to pitch in where they can. Anybody,
0: anybody, anybody? Okay, well, I'm going to end with uh, you got Jim Weaver, and I'm going to have to end with Jamie Grant. He actually messaged me right before this. He said he was extremely jealous. Well, I'm going to send you this clip This video, Jamie, right here. Look at this. How jealous are you? You couldn't come to Austin. So, but we're coming to Tallahassee. They wouldn't let him leave the state, but uh, I'm coming to Tallahassee now. So that's how it's going to work. And then I'm going to fly to Orlando. So, well, thank you both for coming on Tech Tables. Super excited to uh, have had you both on. Right, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joe Tossi from techtables.com, and you're listening to the Public Sector Show by Tech Tables. This podcast features human-centric stories from public sector CIOs, CISOs, and technology leaders across federal, state, city, county, and higher education. You'll gain valuable insights into current issues and challenges faced by top leaders through interviews, speaking engagements, live podcast tour events. We offer you a behind-the-mic look at the opportunities top leaders are seeing today. And to make sure you never miss an episode, head over to Spotify, find Apple Podcasts and hit that follow button and leave a quick rating just tap the number of stars that you think this show deserves and to continue this darn good conversation head over to the Q&A section on Spotify